Hello and welcome to the Stay Healthy Experience. I'm Robert Ferguson and I'll be joined here in a second with my partner, Miss BK. They call her Barbara Chris and we have a guest you don't want to miss. We're going to talk about recovery. We're going to talk about going after your goals. We're going to talk about things that every mom would want to know about, especially if you got kids. We'll be right back. Well, welcome to the Stay Healthy Experience. And Barbara, you know, I told you a little bit about my friend that's coming in today. Mm -hmm. And we've actually shared the mic a a few times. Mm -hmm. And always fascinating having a conversation with uh, Miss Andrea. And you get a chance to meet her yourself. I know. I'm so excited. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Robert. Very exciting. Yeah, this is great. And Barbara has no idea what we're talking about. (laughs) Well, just a little bit. Okay. Because sometimes I like to leave it open so that it's it's fresh and it's and it's real. Yeah. And you're real. I am real. So so meeting Barbara for the first time or when you meet people for the first time, like the viewers, Mm -hmm. how do you introduce yourself, Andrea? My name is Andrea and I am the mother of two girls who are eight and ten years in recovery from IV heroin. And I teach moms how to learn compassionate communication and connection skills so that they can help love their child into choosing recovery from addiction. Wow. Talk about an opening. Like, do you say that when you go to a chamber of commerce meeting? Yes. (laughs) Powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody's like, okay, wait a minute. How did you do that? Yeah. Because not everyone recovers. The majority of the moms I work with have their children in recovery in five to seven weeks. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And the outcomes of that work? Well, it's a long-term marathon, if you will. Like, we don't just, it's not a sprint, but once you have them choosing recovery, then the most important thing is to be able to provide consistent, affirming, compassionate communication and connection tools so that they are inspired to stay close to us Mm. because when our child feels polarized by us which in our culture today we we tend to be so busy and um, short-tempered with ourselves and our children and a lot of other people for that matter that when our children are struggling with things we don't take the time to listen and oftentimes we get we we are quick to sort of shame them into being quiet so that we can concentrate on work or our own unexpressed and unhealed unmet needs for connection and emotional well-being it's a big issue in our culture today i mean the studies show that three out of five adults are lonely and our children are really lonely too so what i teach is how to connect compassionately with our child. So you have to help me out. So because the two of you have known each other for a while. Yeah. So kind of take me back a little bit and maybe even our our viewers as far as how did you connect and. Well I reached out to you if you remember. Yes. Because of our common friend Mr. Greg. Yeah. So Greg Hanley owns Soba Recovery. Right. And he's been a friend and partner for many years since he got into that. Before he got in that space I've known Greg. Right. Mm -hmm. I knew Greg when Greg was the other guy. Yes, I, I, I've heard those stories. And what was that? Those are some pretty fun stories, I must say. Painful, uh, but s- some fun, yeah. yeah. No, I, and, and it's interesting, I met Greg in Vegas mm-hmm. uh, working with boxers because he loves boxing, and that's mm-hmm. how we connected. Right, okay. right. So the very first time, I, I believe I was with Fernando Vargas, and we were renting one of Greg's houses. 
And so he would rent them out to boxers like Felix Trinidad, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis. All the big boxers would come into town and Greg would, would rent it out to them. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's how I met him. And then we connected through Facebook. Right. And I reached out and she came up and we did a show mm-hmm. and uh, created a relationship. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Because your work is kind of like what, what you brought up and what you touched on before we yeah. even started. Your work at helping people get back that relationship. Yes. Is something that was missing pre-COVID. Yeah. And now because of COVID, it's like really bad. In some cases, in some cases, that's true. And in other cases, people have really discovered connection with their loved ones in a way that they didn't know was even possible. I think it all depends on how we consciously approach this. And I I do mean it's it, it takes conscious intention, right? But like my family and I, we created connection like we've never had before. I actually moved in with Alexis and my grandchildren and her husband for three weeks when this all hit. And I developed a relationship with her husband over 6 a.m. coffee <laughs> every day that was incredible. And and as a result of those three weeks, like it launched us into a whole nother kind of uh, relationship, which is so rich and so rewarding. So we get to do that, right? Like we get to make choices about what shows up and how we're going to respond. And that's, um, so that's, you know, and I also coach families and parents how to use this time to connect, right? Um, And most importantly, is taking time to connect with that inner self that we all have that is so uh, wise and so ready for us to create a friendship with inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. and this is what i've been doing now in the last year is i've really spent a lot of time in isolation if you will (laughs) but i spend a good hour to more a day in meditation and um tapping into that inner expanded self that we all have and have access to and that when i do that then like when i connect with you I'm not just connecting with you all uh, mm-hmm. on this physical mm-hmm. f- experience, but like I'm practicing the namaste, right? The, the the God in me sees the God in you, and that's who I'm connecting with. And it's so rich. It's so much richer to know the that consciousness that we are and to recognize it in all life, right? And in each other. So you can't really be lonely. You mean you have it, yourself? Right. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's interesting that you say that because I, I, I believe I shared a study with you years ago mm-hmm. when I first got into the space of psychology. Mm. And that study was they went out to people who were married and people who mm. weren't married. And what they discovered was 50% of the people who were married and weren't married, their number one complaint was being feeling alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can be married and you're very alone. Yeah. I've been there three times. Right. <laughs> Let's be real. But with COVID, because I'm sitting here going, okay, Uh so you can wake up in the morning and you can have that time to yourself, but that's not always going to be the case for most people, Mm -hmm. right? Some people, they have a house full of people. It's never really quiet. They don't have that time to find time for themselves. And I'm sure you have a way that you could, you know, share some knowledge or wisdom. Get up early. Get up earlier. Get up earlier. Yeah. Make that time. That messes up my sleep. You know, <laughs> the studies show that 20 minutes of meditation is the equivalent of an hour of deep sleep. So um, wow. I, if I don't do my meditation, I am not nearly as 
gentle and compassionate and loving to the people in my life as when I do. But that is so common as far as what the comment that uh, Robert said about how when, because even with on the nutrition and weight loss side, mm -hmm. that's probably one of the things that we share if they're trying to exercise, right? We'll say if you can get it done first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. right? And then one of the biggest pushbacks that I know that I get would be, oh, but I'm tired. I need my sleep and whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Or let's say, for example, they do want to try to do some kind of meditation or journaling, but they might say that, oh, well, I'm so distracted. I have so many things on my mind. I can't even think straight for 10 minutes. Like, what would you, what would you recommend, like, for a very beginner, like a starter? I would recommend um, just turning on a fan, even if it's your house fan, and just mm -hmm. allowing yourself to hear that. And mm -hmm. if you find yourself um, wandering, just bring your attention back to the sound of the fan um, and allow yourself to just be with that sound. Um, and don't judge yourself if you, if, you have, if you get distracted. Part of practicing um, focusing your mind and allowing the space to sort of expand inside of you is just allowing those thoughts to be there, not trying to but not grabbing onto them and like going down the rabbit hole of the thought, <laughs> just knowing that if I want to think about that when this is over, I can. But if you just did that for like 15 minutes a day, and if it's too long, start with three minutes, right? Um, the worst thing you can do is get anxious and like, oh my gosh, I lost my thought, uh, my peaceful thought you know, process. Then we create like this, this friction inside of ourselves and that's not what we're going for. So do what feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then expand that per minute if that's what it takes. Now, have you always been able to do that? Or is it something that you gradually built? Or well, Yeah, tell us about before you were perfect. <laughs> I am so sorry. Before so I was not so perfect. <laughs> but that's the thing is we get to use our tools when we screw up, right? Like when stuff is hitting the fan, yes. you get to use your tools to bring yourself back into a place of balance, right? Mm. So... I was I was 27 years old, married already and pregnant when I discovered that the man I was married to was something that I'd never even heard of before and that was somebody who there was labeled the old stigma addict, right? But now we mm -hmm. look at it as somebody who suffers from substance use disorder, right? And and their substance is really just a strategy to meet the unmet emotional need they have for feeling a, a deep and profound sense of of love and belonging mm -hmm. and and not to feel like they're flawed inside right so my my husband at the time was really feeling flawed and he used his substances and sex as well with other women to um to fulfill his his need to feel better inside and i wow. i didn't understand it from that perspective i went to the traditional family recovery programs and was listening to women talk about you know what an a-hole their husband was and how they're taking their power back or they're letting him hit bottom and they're detaching you know and it just yeah. made me feel more angry and more polarized from my husband at the time. So I decided I was going to get back into spiritual practices and learn meditation so that I could have a more of an inner sense of calm and well-being instead of this constant anger and angst and critical mm. parent voice in my head, which was always ready to attack him and let him know how m much of a screw-up I thought he was instead of practicing compassion and going, wow. Like, I get the fact that you are having, you have a strategy 
And that strategy is using substances to feel better inside than what you feel. And I, I feel compassion for you, my, my friend, my lover, my, my partner, my husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to, like, let's be solution-focused together. Let's, let's have power with each other instead of me trying to have power over your substance use or you trying to have power over my critical everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when I learned meditation. I, I started studying transcendental meditation um, and then went into the Course in Miracles and studied Buddhism and um, even Hinduism and other spiritual practices. And yeah. And how did he respond to all that then? Oh, well, that was, tr- that was like after five years of me being in those rooms with other laymen in the form of critical, bitter wives. Five years. Uh, five wow. years of me spending five days a week trying to trying to control his behavior and not being compassionate. And mm-hmm. at, at that point, the marriage was dead. Like, it was broken. It, there was such fractured... Conne- there was no connection. It was bitter, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't blame him for that. I don't blame me either. I didn't have the skill set that I do now, right? But I know for sure that if I had had this skill set, which I didn't find, by the way, until after I had gone down a few dark rabbit holes with substance use disorder myself after he left, um, and my daughters, two of the three, were IV heroin users, that Mm. I woke up to how dysfunctional I was and that I was the common denominator here and so much of it was based on the fact that I didn't know how to have compassion with people's struggles and I didn't understand that nobody does this stuff to hurt other people they're wow. doing it because they're hurting inside oh, I'm now there, there, is a, there is a oh. moment right that where there is some tough love right there's no tough love. So you wouldn't call it that? I would never, ever advocate for tough love because I'll tell you what, shame is this deep and profound sense of being a flawed individual and every time we tell somebody they better get their you-know-what together and stop screwing up their lives, it just makes that shame alarm go deeper and, and that shame is registered in the same area of the brain as physical trauma is. And physical trauma and shame are highly correlated to addiction highly and mental health depression suicide shame is the driving factor behind mental health addiction and suicide in our country today it's huge so when we tough love somebody we are we are polarizing them we're saying that we that they're not acceptable and we're creating a deep and profound sense of not being lovable and not belonging in our family and instead we want to use compassionate communication and loving connection tools which i teach in a way that allows us to love them into wanting to choose recovery okay so so let's let's go ground zero because there's people at home going Okay, what are they really talking about, right? <laughs> and the, so I want to use a kid, for instance, yeah, right? Because a lot of a lot yeah, of young kids, let's do it. They are. Um, I'm going to loosely use the term addicted, but I'm going to use it because most people will get my point. I hear you. So they are addicted to their devices. Their devices, right? And COVID, that was where they were getting a sense of relaxation. 
It was like holding a sponge ball. It just took them away from life. It's a numbing device. Yes. Just like, just like we all adults have. How many of us adults are not getting a dopamine hit every time we check that phone and see a text message come in? Mm-hmm. We're just as addicted as the kids. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. If, before we start tough loving them, we had better be practicing and role modeling what we're preaching. Sorry for the interjection. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, I, I'm happy because I literally use my phone. I'm in touch with it nonstop right. because it's a big part of my entrepreneurship. Even if it wasn't, I'm guessing there might be a little bit of that going on. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm not a gamer, so I wouldn't use it for that. I'm I not that understand. guy. You know what I mean? Like, I but I use it and I don't like it. I, I really don't. Okay. Uh, I look forward to the day, and it will come, where I can create more boundaries and have it in place where I have check-in and check-out. But with the kids, that's like their thing. So what I'm hearing you say is that if you have a parent that says, after a while, a parent will go, hey, look, if you don't get your homework done, I'm taking your device. Mm -hmm. So that that ultimatum is there. And then they take the device. Uh-huh. And now there's major conflict in the home because right. the kids, that's their pillow. Okay, I'm going to tell right. you exactly how we're going right, to do this. All right, let's go. Yes, I, I'm so interested. This is how we're going to do this. So I developed a communication tool. It's a script, and it's called The Three C's. And it will help you with every relationship and conversation that's going to potentially cause conflict, okay? And it's going to help us get to solution very quickly. The first C is to confirm. Babe, you have every right to want to spend, you know, all day long on your toy, right? On your computer or your whatever it is they're using. I get that. Like, that's what feels good. So you confirm that they have every right to be who they are, to want what they want, to feel what they feel, to do what they're doing. Because if you try to tell them they don't, they're going to get defensive and they're not going to hear the next part of this, which is really important. Okay? okay. So then you clarify. So we so we confirmed. That. We confirm that they have every right to be who they are, to feel what they feel, to do what they're doing, because actually they do. And here's what we have to then go with, right? We clarify. But what I'm noticing, honey, is that you're getting D's. I'm getting you're getting D's and I know you don't like that. I know that doesn't feel good to you. You know, and I'm just curious, and here's the third C, is we we're gonna try to get them to come to a, some sort of commitment for themselves not for us necessarily but for themselves commitment or, or a verbal contract with us potentially depends on the circumstances right mm-hmm. we're going to say what do you think it would take for you to be able to inc- improve your grade point average so that you feel better and and then also to be able to enjoy your um, iPad um, you know, once you've put the investment of time and, and effort into the into the grade point average. Now, I'm just I'm just saying that we could let's unpack it another way. You have every right to want to spend as much time on your um, your games as you're doing right now. I mm-hmm. totally get that. Like, you know, life is tough right now. I know you don't get to see your friends. Like, we're just like we're having a conversation. We're we're acting as if we're speaking for them, right? Like we're with them, right? Power with, not power over. Power with, trying to connect, right? So empathy, empathy, perfect. So mm-hmm. then you clarify. However, um, it's my job as your parent to support you in doing what is necessary to getting to the point where you need to be in school. That's my job. Can you help me with that? 
what do you think would help me be a better parent in helping you get better grades? So we're trying to in, in we're trying to um, pull from them their own internal wisdom, and that we're trying to get them to think in a way that it's not us telling them what they should be doing. Like when we should on our kids, we're shaming them. We're mm-hmm. telling them you're not okay. But when we ask them, what do you think it would take? You know, would you? And then they might say, you know what? I could really use some help. Oh, good. Would, well, how do you think you could get that help? Keep asking the questions because it's called motivational interviewing questions, right? Mm-hmm. We're asking, we're trying to motivate them from within to come up with a solution, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's say they come back with, F you, <laughs> I'm not or doing nothing. my homework, I don't give it, you know what about school? Then you go and you only use the first two C's again. Babe, you have every right to just not want to do it. I get that. So you're confirming that they have the right. Yep. And then the second C again, and you don't go for the third C this time. I'm going to tell you what you do. The second C in this situation. So the first you go through the third C's. Confirm what they're doing is okay or feeling is okay, right? What mm-hmm. they're desiring and whatever. Then the okay. clarification. But here's what I need as your mom. Like, ugh. I'm failing you as a mom like and I feel I'm embarrassed when your teacher calls me up and blah 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 blah. talk about your feelings right Mm -hmm. not to in a way to shame them so you have to be really careful how you you present that but then you ask them what do you think we could do together as a team like how can we be in the same dugout on the baseball field where I'm not playing on one side and you're playing on the other we are looking at the field and that child is hearing us say I'm on first base babe but I am not playing a good first base like (laughs) what do you think i need to do to play better first base oh would you be open to having a conversation about what we could do as a team so that we win this game in regards to better homework right Mm -hmm. better quality grades right Mm -hmm. so if they say f you i'm not interested in being on your team um (laughs) i'm gonna play whatever then you get to go to clarify again you get to say you know what you have every right to dig your heels in and and um, to choose not to uh, try to improve, you know, what's in our family's best interest as a, as a family as well, right? Like me as your parent and you as the child doing well in school. Um, so until you're willing to come up with some solutions for this, I'm going to have to take away your iPad gonna have to take it away mm, okay so you don't and, and then you say, well, then then they you say I can't, why you have to well then you no excuse me one time <laughs> <laughs> right, and then you're gonna say i'm gonna have to take it away and and then you're gonna say let me know if you come up with some ideas on how we can make this better and that's the end of the conversation you ask them to let you know if they've changed their mind right because right? they can keep kind of coming at you yeah but if they yeah. still don't have that right right mm-hmm. i guess the motivation to work together then you still hold on to that Right. Let's say the iPad or whatever it may be. Right. And and so they're driven to want to come up for so, with solutions themselves rather than you having power over them and telling them how it's going to be. Look, I know this is going to hurt, babe, but it's my job as your parent to like not let you focus on something that's not getting you forward in life. And that's my job. Yeah. I love you so much. But let me know if you come up with any ideas. Well, you know, I could. I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, I could see myself using that skill with my 16 year old. Would, but would you say that, is there like an age no, cutoff? Or you, can you use no, it for. You use this with two year olds. You use this with 50 year olds. I use it with my dad. <laughs> you know, like, like you have every right to tell me X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, 
but when you when you talk to me with that tone of voice which sounds really shaming to me it makes me not want to be on the phone with you dad and that 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 hurts my heart i'd i'd love to have conversations with you as frequently as as you're available but i'm not willing to have you talk to me with that tone of voice i don't let adults in my life talk to me with that tone of voice so what do you think about like taking a deep breath right now and starting over or you know what do you think about taking a break and calling me when you're feeling a little bit more calm right mm -hmm. well i love what you're what, what you're saying because i say this all the time and it's a big part of the philosophy and the psychology around how we work with people mm -hmm. and that is they will get more if they discover it yeah. versus me telling them right yeah for sure and so there's a calmness with that yeah mm. and not that i am like mr like perfect dad mm -hmm. but i have that calmness with them right and i understand how to ask those questions one because it's part of my training right but when i see other people you know it could be their mom or someone else they may go there but then when they give it to them it's not what they want so now you have the battle of control could you be more specific? Okay, I'm sorry. so yeah. So for instance, the mom would say, "Okay, so if you have a solution," and the kid could go, "Well, I do have an idea. And the idea is that I'm going to do this for another hour, and then I'm going to take a break for an hour and work on my um, my homework, mm -hmm. and then in an hour after that, I'm going to go back, and so I'm going to do an hour on, hour off, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I know I will get get the homework done by today." Right. So if the parent says, okay, right? Because there's a solution. Yeah, let's give that a try. That's a great idea. Encourage them to, right. to, to, to try it. So, you, so they do it, right? You give them to do it. Yeah. But they're not doing it based on I know. what they said. So and, and the parent is just, they need to be doing the home. <laughs> they need to be getting this done. No. We're killing time here. We need to do something. Morning daylight. But, yes. but, but it's our job to stay out of the amygdala, the fight, flight, freeze, anger, reactionary uh -huh. part of the brain, and be in the prefrontal cortex, which is the adult in the house, the executive decision maker, the creative thinker. We've got to stay calm in order to be in the prefrontal cortex. And in order to mirror, we've got this mirror neuron with our family and our kids and with everybody else right when I smile at my baby my baby learns to smile right when I speak to my child from a place of calm and respect my child feels respected and they That's feel true. calm yep. right so you say to them how did that work out for us today let's take a look what did we accomplish in terms of homework oh honey how do you feel about that how do you feel about okay. that? What do you think we need to do different but this tomorrow? Is go somewhere what do you think about what how do what do we need to do different tomorrow okay to so make you're still better? giving them the power you're still giving them control. You're teaching. You're raising an adult, not a child. Right. How do you raise a, an adult if you're if you're not giving them the power? Okay. Right. From the That's age of point. eight with women, girls, age of ten with boys, you start to have this type of. You start to be much more about. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, babe, because you're a smart young lady and I know you're going to find the answer within you and we're just going to keep trying all the thoughts that you have mm. all the solutions you come up with until we find the one that I, works I was just about to ask that because what about with a child on the opposite where let's say you do put it out there for them and say hey what do you think we can do or what's your suggestion right. and they're closed-lipped they don't want to say anything well what do you want Right. What do you think so, I should well, do? Well, and a lot of times they will be like that because we have taught our children 
to be passive and um, um, it's like the adaptive sort of martyr sort of I'll never live up to your expectations Mm. so why should I even answer I don't trust you to listen to me you haven't ever listened to me before why would I even share with you my ideas because the second I do you're going to do your power over me thing and shut it down and shut me down and I'm hurt inside and I feel I don't feel respected by you I don't feel I don't Mm. feel like I'm, 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 I'm good in your eyes I feel flawed in your eyes I don't feel connected to you in any way so I'm not going to answer that because I'm scared I'm scared to get shut down and shamed again by the way and a lot of kids are are like that they won't speak up because their parents have had power over for their entire lives and so the first thing I teach my parents to do when their child is out on the street shooting heroin and prostituting like mine were and like a lot of clients that come work with me have the first thing we do is we create a conversation whether it's delivered through text or over the phone or in person that sounds something like this. First of all, I asked the parents. First, first of all, I asked the parents. I want you to create a conscious list of all of the things that you think your child would say that you've said to them that has hurt them in a way that makes them feel flawed. Ooh, and we're gonna start there. So that's a that's a real real get real moment. Yeah, this is a get real moment, and a lot Uh of parents are like, "What are you talking about? Mm. My kid's just hanging out with the wrong crowd. They just started smoking pot because it feels good." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, but you can't be my client because they can't own that. Because if you can't, if you expect your child to look at their pain." You got to look at how you've contributed to it and you got to look at your own unmet emotional needs to find out how you're projecting your needs for perfection and and to feel better about yourself onto your child because a lot of parents and I was one of them determine our self-worth by how our children are doing in school football cheerleading dance I mean, so many parents uh, have give the message to their child, don't you dare make me embarrassed or look bad. How dare you not get that grade? Well, so you're saying it's not a good idea to vicariously live through your kid? <laughs> I'm saying you better not because Listen up, parents. I know. You, be- you, are, you are here to raise an autonomous, individuated, self-actualized adult. And most of us are not making that our goal. And that's the only goal we should have. Because these beautiful children, we're the custodians of God's child. Okay? We are not here to uh, form them according to our own unmet needs for feeling a sense of not being flawed individually. As long as my kid looks good, I don't have to feel so flawed as an individual myself, mm. right? Just on the outside, yeah. Right. So well, it sounds like we need a, is there a camp or a course for parents? Well, um, I just wrote a book. Uh, it'll be coming out this summer. It's called Revelations of a Bad Mom. And it actually teaches parents these tools uh, that are compassionate communication tools, learning to listen deeply, learning how to connect with eye contact, body language, tone of voice. Um, I, I give scripts on how to... Um, uh, create conversations that are really difficult um, but in a way that's empowering so we were talking about like the first thing I'd have my parents do is is reach out in a text message like you know 
because we want our kids to be able to talk, right? And they don't feel like they can trust us with their heart. I don't know about you, but if I'm with... All worked up here. If if (laughs) I'm with somebody who I don't feel like I can trust them with my heart, I'm not going to tell them my deepest feelings inside. But what, that's what we need mm-hmm. as children. I know I needed that. I left home when I was 14. I started drinking when I was nine and tripping on acid when I was 12. Whoa. Right? So, like, I didn't have that. <coughs> and most, a lot of families don't. So we have mm-hmm. these systems in our families that don't allow for children to feel heard. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking about my, my mom. <laughs> I'll never forget... <coughs> Um, my mom and my mom when I grew up she would yell a lot so it was just who she was and so you didn't deserve it well I didn't feel like I deserved <laughs> it but she would yell all the time and so then she ended up raising my niece okay and so my niece experienced the same thing that I experienced because my mom still yells yeah you know like give me that where, where are you going you know and I remember dropping a glass on the, on the kitchen floor when I was about eight and my mom came in <laughs> and I like it freaked me out so at that moment I was afraid of conflict okay. right there was no resolve and so if I broke something in the house I would hide it mm-hmm. and then you know grow up I would do the same thing in relationships right and it, it took a while for me to just acknowledge that and to like correct it I know. so the point I want to make is my mom I use one of your techniques <laughs> I was talking to her and I said hey when Shanika who's my niece I said when she comes here i want you to do something she my mom's like okay what do you want me to do and i said i want you to go up and say hey shanika how was your day right hey you know i'm so proud of you that you like got, went to school and got that done right on just just like that yeah right and my on. mom was like what what was wrong with you <laughs> i go no i mean i just want to show you something mom mm-hmm. when she comes here i want you to say hey shanika and she's gonna say yeah what grandma and say you know i'm so proud of you you're a good person you really turned out to be an amazing young lady and just just smile don't say anything else mom just smile but you know (laughs) i love what you're i love what you're encouraging however let me just say that when we tell somebody they're a good person that we're tr- we're we're shaming them into okay, we're taming that's, that's them a good point. we're yes. taming them we're using moralistic language bad good right wrong uh. and you should why didn't you how could you you are this you're that you're this we're labeling yep that's true um when i say i'm really proud of you i'm making you dependent on my feedback and approval for you to feel good inside and that's not yes, healthy. I agree. Ah. so you say you know what you should be so proud of yourself. Mm. You can feel so good about your efforts. You have really shown up for yourself. How does that feel? How does that feel? And, and you know, yeah, uh, so, I love that. So here, here's the closure of, of my point with my okay. mom. <laughs> when my niece came, my mom did it. And what do you think the response was of my niece? She fell to the floor. She looked at what is wrong? <laughs> What happened? Because that wasn't the tone and the energy that my mom puts out. And she puts out energy, and I love you, Mom, but the energy you were putting out back in the day was like conflict. Yes. Polarizing. Yes. And so I love what you're saying. I love the fact that tone is part of it. I love the fact that you're conscious of the words. Mm -hmm. You know, when when we wrote the very first weight loss book, Fact It Doesn't Come Back, 110,000 words, not one time in that book is the word should used. Excellent. 
that one time. And so language was a big part of being able to mm -hmm. release that body fat so it wouldn't come back. Right, exactly. Right, so everything that we talk about and think about play a huge role to include how we treat ourselves, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because the conversation mm -hmm. that we're having inside of our own soul, mind, heart is is can be heard in how we are talking to other people. We're always projecting our own internal feelings onto other people. Just like we do as parents with kids. Oh, they're flawed. I better I better fix that. I better tell them how flawed they are. But what what we really need to be doing is fixing our own perception of our own self as being flawed because none of us are really flawed. Mm, okay, so I want to give a, I want to I want some advice from you real quick. All right, go. Okay, I have a thirteen and a half year old daughter. Yeah, and she's got her first little boyfriend. Mm. Well, not I mean I'm sure there's like one that they call boyfriend girlfriend. Yeah. But anyway, she's at this place where hey, get your bike and you guys can go to the park and hang out. Blah blah blah. Right. And so I looked at my daughter and I said, sweetheart, I'm gonna say this one time. I go, I trust you a hundred percent that you are gonna look out for your own best interest. Okay. However. Young men tend to have certain hormonal energies, and you know, yeah. So I'm having that little moment. <laughs> well, you're blushing, so, <laughs> At the same time, I'm totally comfortable with it. I just wanted to verbally say it out loud. Yeah, right. So you know, as a dad, I'm concerned with you always, yeah. and I know how other boys can be, mm -hmm. and that has nothing to do with you. Right. So. Always be open to talk with me, and I won't say anything like this again because I trust. I do trust you a hundred percent that you will do for you what no one but you can do for you. Well, you could try giving her the three C's tool as well because if a guy tries to hit on her or make her do something she doesn't want to do, you could say to him, you know, hey, you know what? Like, I really appreciate the fact that you want to kiss me right now, but I'm not ready for that. Clarifying, right? So, what do you think? You know. What do you think about like giving me some space and some time asking for a contract a commitment or you know what do you think you need to do like to to uh, to respect my boundary right so give them tools don't just tell them you trust them you got to give them some okay tools. that's good Ooh, so good like i'll do that. part two yep. yeah yeah there will be part two for sure and i'm, I'm thinking already because so i have a 16 year old son mm -hmm. and so and for the past i would say it's got to be at least close to three years now he's been living with me pretty much full-time mm -hmm. his dad is still in the picture just he chooses to stay with me okay. and so and I know having grown up as well all of a sudden being a teen yeah. that as open as I think that my son and I are with each other I know that there's there's not a hundred percent transparency mm -hmm. right as far as yeah. things that he shares with me and I'm thinking of these tools that you're sharing and how someone let's say if they weren't necessarily using these type of tools maybe they're doing their best even like with me i'm doing your i'm doing my best to communicate with my son of course but how can you i don't want to say reverse because you can't undo things but how can you reopen oh perfect reopen conversation yeah okay i love this phrase you know you know john let's say i want to circle back to a conversation that we were having six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, when you said, or when I said, and then all of a sudden you're both back there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the most important thing is to make an appointment, not to catch them off guard. So you say, John, you know, I'd like to have a conversation with you about something that we are talking about or something that came, that's weighing heavy on my heart mm -hmm. or a concern I'm having. When would it be convenient for you <laughs> for us to have that conversation with mothers and sons 
men, the studies show that men would much rather be told that you respect them than that you love them. So as often mm. as you can use the word respect with your son, you would want to say, you know, I really respect the fact that you got your homework done today before you turned on your iPad. Or use that as much as you, you will see him light up hmm. because they are driven. Men are driven. Boys are driven to feel um, respected. They want to know that we respect them, especially moms need to respect their sons. And so you would you would make an appointment because, and you would ask him, when would it be convenient for you? Because that's showing him you respect him. Mm. Okay, what do you do for yes. young girls? You ask them when it would be comfortable because we want to teach our daughters how to identify their feelings and know that their feelings are important. And, and, and it's not that we don't want to discourage boys from feeling their feelings, but again, it's about the respect thing, right? So with women and girls, we want to ask them, baby, when would it be comfortable for you and I to have a conversation about something that as a dad... I'm really not that comfortable with, but I feel like I need to have a conversation with you about and and give let her tell you and it would be comfortable. And it's probably going to be like right now, you know, but you're going to want to ask them for that um, because we when we catch them off guard, it feels jarring and their defenses go up. Um, just quiet. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. So when they're when they feel like, wow, they you know, they're giving me an opportunity to like be partnered up with them like we're doing power with each other dad's not having power over me right mm -hmm. and so yeah so then you would you would have a circle back i want to circle back or let's make an appointment you know and then you start in the conversation first thing you always do with your child is to say something affirmative you know honey you are such a, a special person like you have a heart of gold talking to your daughter mm -hmm. and you know sometimes boys don't respect women who have beautiful hearts the way that i want my daughter to be respected so i want to give you a tool that you can use if you notice a man or a boy being disrespectful of you would that be okay with you ask for permission and when they say no do you stay there you say, you know what, honey, you have every right to tell me you're not interested in this conversation right now. And I know it might not be comfortable for you, but I'm your dad. And, and I really feel strongly about this. Come on, baby, let's have this conversation. You, you, you invite them to it, you know? And, um, and if they say, well, no, I don't want to. Well, when would it be comfortable for us to have it? I don't know, dad. Baby, I need you to choose. I need you to choose a time before the end of the day. Preferably. Nice. That was good. I love that. Good job oh there, goodness. Andrea. I'm so impressed. Every parent, call this right. woman. I want the book. That's right. You can work with people. Deal right you here. can work with people <laughs> anywhere in the world, obviously. Oh, absolutely. So. I, yeah. Um. So, so if you want to reach me, um, my my website is andreaarlington.com, and there is a free giveaway if you're interested. Um, that's downloadable. It's a PDF. It's 11 tips to create um connection with your loved one essentially your child or it could be a spouse mm -hmm. as well um and so yeah just you can get that it just it's great it's a great little handout and then also i have a free and open to the public um zoom meeting every tuesday night at 5 30 
Um, so tonight's the night, guys. Uh, and uh, it's it's Pacific time. And yeah, anybody can jump on. And you can grab that under my courses tab on mm-hmm. andrearlington.com. Um, the, the link to sign up is right there. And it's an hour of free coaching on how to use all this. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Now we have about awesome. a good 10 minutes. Oh, good. So the time is going by really fast. Really? I know. <laughs> but the goal would be we're going to do a little rapid fire with you. Okay, great. So our goal is to ask as many questions as we can. Please. Um, which means the faster you answer it, the sooner we can get to the next question. Oh, I'm just like, oh, so many to choose from. Yeah, I mean, there's a thousand. <laughs> so, and of course, all the information on how to contact you and learn about you, we make available to everybody. Great. And for those who are checking us out and you like these kind of conversations, then please share, like, you know, make a comment so we yeah. can reach more people Great. with intelligent conversations like this. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... A woman wants to lose weight, and I and I understand there's a whole dialogue that takes place on the inside. What are some things, based on your training, that you could share mm. with some woman right now who is battling with the scale? She steps on it. Some days it's her friend. Other days it's her foe. Right. She's starting to lose motivation because it's not moving as fast as she would like. Right. Okay, so mm. there's, this, there's, this, there's this space, right, between who I am today and how I think of myself today and who I want to be, right? So there's this gap. And when we focus on where we want to be only, um, and we can't help but feel the end, the other end of the stick, which is mm. I'm not there, I'm not good enough, I'm flawed, right? Right. So I'm going to encourage people because we are energetic beings and emotionally, whatever we tend to emotionally be carrying with us um, sort of creates all sorts of either positive experiences for us or negative experiences. For instance, if we're feeling really good inside, our relationships feel better. Um, uh, you know, our challenges aren't as difficult, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to, instead of focusing on on the scale and the number on the scale today, because we don't, it's not working for us too well, we're going to go for a walk and we're going to smell the flowers outside. We're going to remember the last time we played catch with our kid or or, or um, played ball with our dog and saw the expression on their face. We're going to tr- change our emotional state. And because when we change our emotional state, we feel less triggered and we don't need to numb with food and we don't need to, um, you know, fill the void with, with things that don't end up getting us to that result. So instead of focusing on the pain point, we go into fo- diverting our attention um, and getting to a, a place where we feel good about anything else, and when we feel, when we start to feel good, mm. we start to do better. Mm. That was Just good. Being present, yeah, I like that. Be present, people. people. Get off that scale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you what. I, I weigh myself like twice a year, um, mm-hmm. and in the last uh, year and a half, I've lost seventeen pounds. Um, uh, hey, you look more fit when you got here. I was like, what's she been doing? Working out harder? <laughs> she looks no, you look great. actually, I, I don't work out. Sorry. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to only because um, that's the next piece of this. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been eating paleo. Um, and I, have a, I do have a problem with um, uh, from inflammation when I eat grains. So I don't eat grains, right? Mm-hmm. And I also don't combine starches with proteins because when you, when you digest a starch, you need alkaline and when you digest a protein you need acid and if you remember chemistry class you put that in a beaker and they neutralize each other so when you've got a 
a steak and a potato in your stomach at the same time, um, the, the acid and the alkaline are neutralized and all that stuff sits in there and it becomes inflammation and toxic for the body. It can't eliminate properly, right? So, um, you know, just in the last 10 days, I've lost six pounds because I started implementing this. And I remembered the reason I did this is because my, my daughter just had a baby and she's having a really hard time dropping the weight. And I was like, you know what? When I modeled, I had a 22 and a half inch waist. How did I do that? I followed this food combining um, protocol and I and I did the things that I'm doing today and I told my daughter about it she's lost five pounds in the last seven days five pounds now now I hear what you're saying mm -hmm. which I totally disagree with what you're saying that's totally yeah. I mean because that's our space I know it is yeah. Yeah. yeah but but you know I'm glad that's working for you <laughs> <laughs> and we can we can talk more well, about it yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but you know just the people who are watching are like well Robert you got to say something no yeah. I'm, I'm cool everybody has the right to everybody. do whatever that's true that's the first C <laughs> oh, that's right. do, I, I tell people do your thing. Do you it confirm, clarify, clarify and, and, and commit or contract? contract. Okay, yeah. yes. okay, commit contract. Okay, you okay, have so a question, right? Yes, actually, it has to do with you. You mentioned before you, you made a comment, and I try to use this also with my clients. You said there's a difference between I get to do something versus I have to do something. Right? Mm -hmm. How do you? When I say I'm coaching with my coaching my clients right. and trying to get them into that mind space of I get to versus the I have to. Right, right. Yeah. I should or I choose. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Yes. I need or I want. Mm. Right? So what is the... Uh, frame your question one more time. So it's really with respect to, let's say, a client. Let's say they're trying to eat a more balanced diet. Let's just say kind of keep it general. Right. They, they might say, well, I have to. Do I have this. to do this, yeah. As opposed to, I get to do this for their betterment of their health. Right. How do you get them to right. see it that way? What are the benefits of doing that for yourself? That's the question. What are the benefits of mm. choosing to do this? Because when I hear you say, and I'm talking to your client, when I hear you say, I have to, that's you telling yourself that you're not okay today. And you're never going to change anything about yourself if you're coming from the premise of, I'm not okay. So let's talk about what you want, how you want to feel. And let's mm. talk about the benefits of what you're trying to create for your life. Um, and let's just focus on those. You don't have to do this, by the way. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to change. You don't. But let's talk about what you want for yourself. Mm. Yeah, so it's so sad yeah. when that happens because they remove the power or the freedom that comes with choice. Exactly. Because a choice right. is always there. Yeah. Right, and, but we do get caught up in that. Like I have to, I got to. Uh, we were shitting on ourselves right, big mm -hmm. time. And like you said, um, if people spent more energy and time working on that inner part of who they are, it would make everything so much better. Exactly. Like I remember, I went to Hawaii to meet with a lady who <clears throat> specialized in gastric bypass. Mm. And and when you're in Hawaii, you're looking at different cultures. Yeah. Right? You got the Tonga. You got like the uh, the big. Um, Sumo. Sumo type. Um, yeah. Well, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah so I don't know. So no disrespect intended. No. But some of those cultures, you're more beautiful oh, yeah. when you're heavier. Yes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so when you start to lose the weight. And so oh, she yeah. has to deal with all those people. Mm, right. And in all of that, I'll never forget this woman. And she's no longer with us. But she was older. Spent a lot of years working. I asked her a question about weight loss and self-esteem. 
and people who got gastric bypass. And she made it very clear hmm. that if more people went and did the work that you offer, we wouldn't need gastric bypass. Bless you and bless We her. wouldn't need lap band. It's true. And that was, so she screened people from the psychological standpoint. Wow. You have to do that screening before you can go get the surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, all we got to do is get more, give time and work for them to take care of them mm-hmm. and to know who they are. Yes. And then you wouldn't need it. It's true with all wow. of these mental health issues and, and, and obesity and, and over anything is a mental health issue. And it all has to do with how we feel inside about ourselves. How am I meeting my emotional needs for feeling good about who I am? See, this is, man, you, I'm so happy that you picked up the phone. I'm so happy <laughs> no, I'm that we connected, right? And when your book is available, we got to have you back so we can talk about it and get everybody to buy it. I'm going to um, read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading it. Well, you know, we, people right now, you can go to your classes that you make available. That's so we'll correct. send everybody to your website. Thank you. Um, I have a thousand questions I could ask, but if you have one more. I have one more. Okay, for yeah. time's sake. And it's again, it's kind of geared to a lot of the clients I work with. So I might have a client who can, can be motivated, disciplined to do all the, let's say, the things that they want to do for their, mm. their health and improvement. But their environment isn't as supportive, whether mm-hmm. it's a spouse or a partner, maybe some friends, mm-hmm. immediate family. That's mm-hmm. about everybody. Right? <laughs> they feel that they're constantly at war with that, and it makes it so hard for them to stay the course, even though right. they want to do it for themselves. How would you... They should so divorce. Get a divorce. <laughs> Two things, right? <laughs> Two things. Again, it's um, staying in a feel-good place. And um, from, for some people, that would just mean either being able to visualize or um, a lot of times I'll have people take a bunch of photographs that make them feel really good and make a video and put it on their phone. And every morning before they get out of bed, play the entire video so that they get they get like 17 seconds of like feel-good. And when you can get 17 seconds of feel-good, you start your day out like being ready for more feel good okay Mm -hmm. that's one thing and then you can also recalibrate using that video if somebody in your atmosphere is like derogatory or unkind or encouraging you to practice your dysfunctional behavior right Mm -hmm. Um, so you can always recalibrate using your 17 seconds or going into a meditation and uh, or listening to an audio track that's all about self-love right that's to recalibrate but the other thing is use those three C's set boundaries with your family using the three C's now when I say boundary i'm not talking about controlling their behavior Mm. i'm talking about taking care of our own emotional needs to feel good hey man you have every right to tell me i'm fat you know what but it makes me feel like i don't want to be around you and i've decided i don't want to be around other people in my life who talk to me like that so i'm going to disengage from this relationship right now or i'm going to remove myself from this environment i'm going to spend more time in my own space and less time with you because it doesn't feel good to me when you talk to me like that or if you have an idea on how we could change this dynamic between us please feel free to let me know (laughs) right like boom love the confidence over there love the confidence yeah well, you know, we, it's true. We we have to we have to take care of our own emotional needs. Nobody is responsible for how we respond emotionally but ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And it all begins with starting to reprogram our internal dialogue. And and what I always recommend is go back to your childhood and remember what are the unmet needs we have. And most of us are going to talk about I have an I had an unmet need to feel like I was lovable and belonged 
right, in my family of origin. And so here we are, we're living in reaction to that as an adult, and we're self-medicating, and we're numbing, and we're Mm -hmm. choosing people who reinforce the fact that inside of ourselves Mm. that we are flawed individuals, we get involved with other people who show up in a way that confirms that, because that's what we're familiar with, and that's what's comfortable. So when we start to acknowledge, oh my God, I'm still living in an in reaction to this unmet emotional need for feeling love, uh, lovable and, and, and good inside, right? What can I do about that? Ah, oh, I could probably hire a coach. I could pay, tune in to stay healthy experience. Right. Yeah. I could, whatever it is, go for a walk, go for a run, start drinking um, uh, more water, whatever it is, right? So it's self-care. We all have to start there. Yeah. This is good. Very good. All right. So you're, you're the resident. Uh, how will we refer to you? I mean, a counselor, therapist. I'm a life coach. Life coach. I'm a life coach. You, know, you know, but it's one of those things where, like, you meet people who say they're a life coach, right? And I've met hundreds of them over the years. <laughs> all right. And not all life coaches are skilled. No. no <laughs> I have ha- I have thousands of hours of training in, in communication skills, in relationship coaching. I used to be a relationship coach between for the masculine feminine dynamics and relationships. And so I learned how to engage, you know, that in with mother and son issues, mm-hmm. with husband and wife issues. So then I, then I took it into um, recovery coaching, but most of all people hire me because they think that they've got this particular issue, but I end up working with most of my clients four five, six years. And we go, we go into all sorts of expansive journeys that are, you know, um, business related, spiritual related, relationship related, personal love related, it, you know, everything. I'm a, a holistic coach, but but um, I specialize in relationships and connection. See, I love yes. that. And, so and I would end by, <laughs> by sharing one thing that, and I've talked to you about this many times, yeah. and that is oftentimes you have like, let's say a personal trainer, or you just have the nutritionist. And they're working with someone who wants to lose weight and get healthier. Mm-hmm. And as they're working with that person, there's an opportunity. I'm going to use this loosely, the word breakthrough, um, an opportunity for, for them to really like take things to the next level that would make them happy. Yeah. But that personal trainer doesn't have that training to say what is needed for that moment. And the opportunity is gone. For that moment. Yeah. And the same thing can happen with the nutritionist. Same thing can happen sometimes with just a counselor. Exactly. Right? Because you get a person ready, but then you don't have the right move. Mm-hmm. And that's, what they, that's where they went wrong with the Four Seasons up in Westlake. Right? When there was the California Wellbeing Institute. Right. Or whatever it is. Now, I was the first person they hired to develop programs for them. Mm-hmm. And I remember telling them, like, again and again, they did not want to hear it. I said, everyone must be in sync. And everyone was the three major departments, the fitness department, the nutrition department, and the psychology, psychiatry department. Yeah. But everyone was preaching something different. So the person who's going through everything was conflicted. Oh. Because, you know, what if the person who's running the psychology department is all about keto? Right. And then the nutrition person is like all against it. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. frustration. See how I'm moving like this? It's like this. Yeah. All, about, <laughs> all, those, all those kinks in the system. <laughs> you pop my back. Mm. But anyway, I, I love your work. Oh, and, and I'm happy that we know you. And so um, we'll be pushing people your direction. Yes. Awesome. Such Appreciate a pleasure. That. Thank you so yes. much for having me. Well, thank you. And uh, we'd like to end our time together by encouraging people to get healthy, be healthy. And stay healthy. Absolutely. Yes.